if you ache for truth, goodness, and beauty, if you're hungry for a Christianity with substance and strength, if you long for a faith that's big and bold and biblical and all about Jesus Christ, if you're inspired by the idea of one church that has spanned 20 centuries, 24 time zones, and two hemispheres, enfolding every race, nation, and language, then you're considering Catholicism. This is the final installment of a three-episode miniseries about the differences between Protestant and Catholic understandings and experiences of salvation. My Protestant friend Ed, who is considering Catholicism, and I sat down one afternoon and had a long conversation about these matters, and I broke it up into these three episodes. In the first, we talked about the sort of anxiety that seems inherent in Protestant assurances of salvation versus the comfort that comes with the more apostolic and sacramental nature of Catholicism. In the second, Ed asked if it's possible for Catholics to lose their salvation once they're part of the church. In this final installment, Ed asks about the practical benefits of living a Catholic life. Sure, it offers comfort for eternity, but what about the here and now? Is Catholicism just an investment in the future or a better way to walk through this world? Welcome to Church Chats with Greg and Ed, where Greg and his Protestant friend Ed chat about the church. All right. So I have this funny story, this thing that happened to me. Good, because I don't um, want to hear any unfunny stories. Right. I've, We've been sitting out here for a couple of hours on the One Whirling Adventure compound. And, and by the way, I just want to say to anyone who's listening to the last couple of episodes, you, you may hear some panting right. uh, in the background. And if you think it's, it's weird, um, it, trust me, it's nothing, well, it's nothing really, you know, weird, weird. But uh, we're out here in the compound and uh my dog finnegan is sitting next to us as we record and finnegan is finnegan panting it's not ed right or i even though we're getting older and slightly out of breath and finnegan uh, is big and he pants and loud. he pants loudly so if you hear panting in the background it's it's nothing really weird okay i heard i was listening to one with Corey, and i heard birds yes there are birds yeah i don't hear them today i don't hear them today yeah. they're I think Finnegan scared him. Maybe more. they follow Corey around. I don't know. <laughs> have to think about that. Okay, so about 20 years ago, this is the funny story. Yes, this is the funny story. About 20 years ago, I got in some people from church, the church I worked at. They invited me to go bowling with them. Oh, fun! And uh, I didn't really want to bowl, but I was bored and I had nothing to do, and I was on my was left on my own, which is always, you know, this is always what I would say when my my wife and I were uh, performing, and she would go sit down while I did a song, and I'd start out the song by saying, "I'd just like to say in my own defense before I start, I'm being left on." Supervised. See, this is this is what happens. You sit around, uh, you're lost, alone, with no purpose, and before you know it, you end up bowling. Bowling. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> so anyway, there I was with the shoe, with the with the, the rented shoes. With the rent, yeah. So there were like there were like uh, 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 four couples. You don't I, have your own bowling shoes. No, I don't. And your own bowling ball. So no. you're renting. Yeah. Okay. No. Okay. So I I didn't even bowl. Okay. I have that much. You know, I'm that proud. So anyway. Um, so there were like three or four other couples and I, they said, well, just come along and hang out with us. Yeah. And I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I'll do that. So I'm sitting there. 
watching the fun. And uh, it depends who you bowl with. It's not the bowling. It's who you're with. <laughs> and these, so these people are, and this one woman was bowling uh, uh, gutter ball after gutter ball. She's rolling gutter. And she's, she's now she's just, she's not much of a bowler, but she, she was thinking, at least I ought to be able to get it down the lane, you know, and hit, hit the pins, but she's not, she's just rolling gutter balls. <laughs> and she's, she comes back, she rolls another, get another gutter ball. And she says to me, she says out loud to no one in particular, she says, Oh my gosh, I'm so frustrated. Another gutter ball. I don't know what I'm doing wrong. And I said, well, do you have any unconfessed sin? <laughs> and, and, and I worked for the church and it was always my joke, right? You know, I worked for the church. So I'm in charge you know, of that whole thing. And, and she said, do you think it would help? <laughs> I said, well, it couldn't hurt. And she said, okay. Um, when I was in like elementary school, when I was like nine years old, I drew on the walls with a crayon. And, and when, when my mom saw it, I blamed my sister and she got punished and I never, and, and my sister is the only one that knew I never let on. Right. I let my sister take the punishment for it. And so I, I being a good Protestant, I made a little, um, sign of the cross thingy as best as I could. Right. And I said, I absolve you, uh, you know, uh, go ahead. Oh, I, I she, if this is going where I think it's going, it's hilarious. She goes up, it is, she goes up and she rolls a strike <laughs> and she comes back and she's just laughing and cackling and giggling and it worked, it worked, it worked. And another woman sitting there says, what did you say to her? What did you guys talk about? What did you tell her? I said. She confessed a sin to me and she says, really? And I said, yeah, something about being a third grade and getting into her sister in trouble. And she said, okay, when I was in high school. <laughs> okay. So, um, I don't remember what she confessed and I don't remember the result of it, but I remember thinking, you know, this is well, a- yeah. Like when, when we go play golf and somebody gets like a lucky bounce, you know, ricochets right. off the tree onto the green or skips across the pond, right. you know, it's like, that's clean living, clean right living right there. That's what I always say. Okay. So what the, I was thinking about the context here is that, um, I was sitting with our mutual friend having a breakfast and who is a Catholic and he converted from Protestantism about I, 10 or 11 years ago, about the time that you did. And we were discussing the, uh, the solar system orbit Catholic thing podcast that you okay. did a couple of weeks ago yep. before we recorded this anyway. And, and, and he had heard it too. He's a fan of the podcast. And he said, I said, you know, I got it. I got it. He said, I thought that was, he said, I thought that was really good. He said, but I ended up feeling like I had some unanswered questions. And I said, my unanswered question is unanswered question is, can I orbit out and not be saved anymore? Right. And he says, which we addressed in the, when we talked about this at the, in a previous podcast, but he said, well, he said, you know, on my, on my, on my deathbed, I'm sure I'll be, that'll be a very important question to me. He said, but right now I love being a Catholic because of the, it improves the quality of my life right, right now. Right. And that's interesting to me. And so, uh, in, in a, in a, in a vague way, I'm just asked, you know, what are the ways that my life will improve if I'm a Catholic? How will my, the quality of my life be better? And I could, I guess I could think of several things, but I want to hear what, yeah. what you think. And maybe, and maybe, how did the quality of your life improve yeah. when you became a That's Catholic? That's a great question. Um, well, let me list a number of ways, okay? okay? 
the first, I think, is something that we've talked a lot about in the past. And, and I, I keep bringing it up over and over and over again, but I keep bringing it up over and over because I think it's super important. And, and that is the sacramental character of the church. And we talked, I think, a couple of conversations ago about how the sacraments are the places where, like the appointed times and places where we meet God, mm-hmm. right? Like uh, God has set these times and places or appointments or intersections or touch points or, you know, encounters mm-hmm. or however you want to think of it uh, throughout life and that I meet him there and experience grace. And when you think about the, the sacraments, there's seven of them in the Catholic Church, not the, the two that Protestants recognize. And what they really do when you look at the seven, m- most of them accompany us through the cycle of life. So the first is obviously when we're, we're born, God meets us, you know, in our infancy at baptism, mm-hmm. when we take... Uh, you know, we were confirmed and there's a first communion uh, on an ongoing weekly basis when we take communion. When we get married, we have the sacrament of uh, matrimony. Mm-hmm. Uh, when, we, when we stumble and fall, we have the sacrament of reconciliation. When I get sick, I have the, the sacrament of, of anointing mm-hmm. of the sick. And so... In a sense, God accompanies through life and assures me through all of the things of life. So to the question of how does it make my life better? Well, on a weekly basis, at the major events in my life, the major uh, points and landmarks of my life, God is there. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's a, a pie in the sky, by and by, far away thing. You know, you, you're talking about practically, does it make my life better? Right. It, it practically... I think it's huge. You know, you know, like um, take sacrament of matrimony, right? Yep. So when I was a Protestant pastor, I did, I don't know, a gazillion weddings. And in a sense, they were their private affairs. You know, there's a pastor who prays for you right. and Jesus is here, blah, blah, blah. But essentially there's, there's the church does not seal that in right. the sacrament of matrimony as it happens in the Catholic church. And, there's a tremendous power and comfort. It makes my marriage real. Um, when I stumble and fall, I and mean, we've talked before about confession, and when I'm struggling, the fact that I, you know, and there's a number of churches around, or if I'm traveling, I, I can go on the internet, uh, my phone. I've got actually an app that tells me where the nearest right. church is and the nearest confessional and its times of confession. And it's like when I'm struggling, and I drive to a church where I right. can confess and right. be reconciled with God. Um, and I know that if I get sick uh, and in, in danger of leaving my life, that a priest is going to meet me. So I would say that, and, and then, you know, how does it make my life practically better? I think that those are tangible ways that God meets me and it gives me assurance mm-hmm. in the day-to-day things of life and at the major landmark points of my life. So that's my first answer. My second one is this. I think that the practice of the faith is a pattern for thriving. So consider this. If I say, oh, wake up in the morning and do the morning prayers, 
right? If you're right. doing the divine office or praying the liturgy of the hours, or you have other kind of various structured devotional practices, the rosary, whatever um, you say, I wake up in the morning and I bracket my day that way. I, if I have the capacity given my work schedule, I can go to a daily mass. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can, I pray before my meals. I participate in the life of the church. All of those things are, 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 are not only devotional practices, but they're a pattern of healthy living, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Uh, and I'll tell you something that I have found in my own life. Cause I, I spent a lot of my time, uh, in my work, um, in front of computers, right? right. Writing and recording and doing all the different things I do. And, you know, I become, it's really easy for me to become addicted to my phone, my iPad, um, and my computers. And then that's the black hole of the internet that sucks me down. Um, you know, one of the things I like about, for example, the rosary is it's depending on how long it takes you to say it somewhere between 20 and 25 minutes. Right. It's, it's 25 minutes that shuts the world off when I'm not looking at my phone. Right. Right. And if I say my rosary once or twice a day, that's, that's a pattern right. of cutting me off from that and focusing my attention on, on that. If I take time out of my day to go to a noon mass, you know, I remember when I was working in a place where there was a Catholic, when I was on my road to Rome and right after it became, there was a, there was a church down the block from where I worked and I had a habit of going out to lunch at, you know, noon. Right. And going to this restaurant or that restaurant and kind of goofing off. And then I would sit there and eat and fiddle with my phone and read stupid stuff on the internet for, while I ate lunch for 45 minutes. Right. And then I figured out that I could uh, walk six minutes down the block to a Catholic church and go to the noon mass Mm. and, and, and then walk back. And that became a practical way that it made my day healthier. Right. So, and whether it's praying before meals or doing all things. So my first answer is the sacraments. And my second answer is just practicing my faith is really a pattern of healthy living. And I'll just say this, you know, when you think about the 2000 years of Catholicism and a lot of the devotional practices are things that have been developed and time tested, you know, over the centuries for people, these are, this is a good way to live. It's a good, healthy way to live. Right. Uh, here, number three. Uh, so the sacraments, God meets me. Um, practicing my faith is a healthy pattern of life. I would say th- the third one way that I think it makes this a better life it is the moral teaching of the church is a map to the minefields of life. Hmm. You know, if you think about all the things that can go wrong in your life. Right all the ways that you can screw up your life. Right. In our last uh, conversation, we were talking about the ways that you can spin off and uh, right. out of outer, you know, space and, um, you know, lose your salvation. Right. Um, well, you know, if I follow the moral teaching of the church and listen to the moral teaching of the church, it's like if it's like literally having a map to the minefield of life. Don't step here or you'll right. blow your leg right. off, right? right? Um, step over here and, you know, you'll blow your right. leg off or blow your head off, right? I mean, it's like, you know, uh, th- th- these are all the danger spots that have been marked out for me. And the path through life. And so the moral teaching of the church is something that really, not only does it not help me lose my salvation and 
you know, the conversation you had with our mutual friend who said, hey, it makes my daily life better. Well, I'm just telling you, it's not just that those moral failings will, you know, cause you to lose your salvation or spend time in purgatory or whatever. They will also just screw your life up royally. Right. 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 And if I follow the moral teaching of the church, I don't end up divorced and broken. Right. You know, wretched in right. this life. It's, it's, it, uh, so the moral teaching of the church is this map to the minefield. And if I'll just listen to the church, I'll get through life relatively right. unscarred by all the screw ups that most right. people commit. Okay. Number four, uh, the Catholicity of the church is amazing and it makes your life so rich. So the word Catholic, by, right, by the way, like a lot of people, what does this word Catholic even mean? It means universal. Yep. Okay. The universality of the church means that I, I say uh, in the introduction of this podcast every time, right? 20 centuries, right. 24 right. time zones. You know, two hemispheres, people from every lot, you know, nation, yeah. tribe, language. We're part of that community. Right. And that is so rich to be connected to that, to be connected to people uh, around the world, uh, to be able to read things and meet people. Uh, you know, one of the things I, I've always treasured about being a Catholic since I converted was when I travel around the world, no matter which church I walk into, Catholic church on anywhere in the world, I'm walking to my church. Right. When I meet people from Africa, from Asia, from Latin America, when I've been to Africa and Asia and Latin America, and I go to mass and I meet Catholics, these are people that speak different languages than I do, people that have different cultures than I do, different right. but we are united in our in our Catholic faith and our practices, and it makes life so rich. Um, you know, you, you know, and I, you know, I like to read G.K. Chesterton, and Chesterton has this really interesting passage where he says, um, you know, a lot of people talk about traveling around the world and and enjoying other cultures and feel like this makes them, you know, you know, cosmopolitan, right? And he says, but the reality is when most people travel around the world, they, they go places and meet people who agree with them. Right. So, right, right. they sort of self-select. They say, well, I'm going to go around the world and I'm going to, the places I'm going to go and the things that I'm going to do and the people I'm going to hang out with are people who, th that I like and suit my tastes and I right. connect with. And so he says, a lot of times someone who has this cosmopolitan lifestyle is, is a very narrow person who just basically has picked a set of, you know, hobbies and tastes and things they like, and then just has a lot of people scattered everywhere that all sort of share, share right. the same thing. It's like social media, you know, it's yeah. like, I've got Facebook friends all around the world and we all, I'm in all these Facebook groups and with people right. who agree with me, right? you know, and you go, well, look how universal I am. They go, no, they're right. a bunch of, you know, a very narrow band of, of thoughts. Right. Well, here's the thing. What Chesterton says is he says, if you really want to be a, a child of the world, um, get to know your neighbors, the people who live across the street from you and down the block, because you're going to find the diversity of opinions and people and personalities, right. you know, there, he said. Uh, and, and so the where I'm going with this is the Catholic Church and being a Catholic connects me. Mm -hmm. in a way to people 
all around the world and in other centuries throughout time and space. Mm -hmm. And I'll just tell you, it is such a much richer life than I experienced as a Protestant. Hmm. And and when I was a Protestant, I did a lot of missions work and I traveled all around the world. But once again, I was traveling to places to meet people and missionaries and things that agreed with me. Right. Catholicism in a sense, yeah, it makes it more Catholic. And I just, I, I just love, I love, 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 love being a part of something that's bigger than me. Right. And, and, and one more thing, I guess I'd say. So, and that's this, I guess my last reason, I think it makes my life better, um, is there is this patrimony, it's a word, like inheritance. Mm-hmm. Um, the patrimony of truth and goodness and beauty that comes from mm. 20 centuries. I, you know, the literature, the art, the architecture, the music, the beauty of the Catholic Church. You know, when, when, when I taught that Dante class and we did the Dante right. class and we've gone on pilgrimages or I've taken people around the world and, and you see these things and, and, and there is 20 centuries of, of just truth and goodness and beauty. And, and I think you and I talked about this once before, that it was almost like you're being admitted to this vast museum or right. something of, of you, could, you can never read it all. Right. You can never listen to it all. You can never, you can wander and never really absorb all of it. It's so big and it's all, and so, man, I, it, it, being a part of that and having all of that at my uh, to enjoy. Right. Right. I, I, it, it, it just makes my life so rich and beautiful. Yeah. And, and, uh, so, I mean, you know, you know, your mileage may vary, but I, I'm just, you know, I'm going to tick them off again. You know, the sacraments, God meets me and gives me assurance of grace on a regular basis through, uh, and at the major landmarks of my life, I, 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 if I follow the devotional practice of the church, it's actually just a pattern for healthy living. It keeps me from right. like driving my life off a cliff and messing right. my, screwing my life up with moral failings. It, 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 it connects me with this vast, you know, community of people that we share the most important things in life. And it, mm-hmm. and it gives me this patrimony, this inheritance of all that is true and good and beautiful for 20 centuries. Mm -hmm. So, you know, again, your mileage may vary, but man, I, my being a Catholic has just made my life so much better in this life. I can say, you know, I came to your Dante class and I just knew very, very little about, about Dante or the divine comedy. And I didn't realize that it was a Catholic thing. I just didn't hadn't that wasn't I wasn't aware of that and when we got all the way through it um so what was that 12 weeks or whatever yeah um we got all the way through it I thought wow this is you know I missed out on this and it was very rich and it's it strikes me as an example yeah of of what you're talking about yeah, well, and when it comes to you know I mean even just uh being able to read the great catholic authors you know <laughs> I uh, I've got so many books on my you know to read pile right. that I'll just don't think I'll ever get to them in my lifetime. I need to, what would I need? What I need is I need to, we need a fat sponsorship deal 
um, right? So that I could like, we could make a lot of money off the podcast and work very little. And then I could read all the books that are sitting <laughs> right. on my to read pile. Right. Um, but the richness of all of the things that I could learn, uh, and right. then the art, uh, you know, someday hopefully you'll come with me and we'll go, uh, you know, to, to Rome or whatever, but, you know, to go and wander through the, the churches and the art and the beauty of that and the music and right. all of these things. I mean, I've had so many amazing experiences. Um, I could just lose myself in it forever. Right. Uh, and it never gets old. I never get to the bottom of it. Right. It's, it's like this infinitely deep pool. So, so yeah, you know, and it's, as I said, it's kind of helped me from screwing my life up and it's kept me connected and it makes me part of a community and, um, and it just makes me a, a child of this amazing civilization and culture. Right. And right. yeah, um, I love it. it can, you're connected now with 2000 years of people doing exactly the same thing. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. So, you know, again, you know, your mileage may vary, but those are the things that come to my mind when I think of why my practical life is just so much better being a Catholic than it was outside the Catholic church. Well, you've answered my question well. Okay. Thanks. Thanks, Ed. Thank you for listening. My name is Greg Smith. And if you've enjoyed this podcast, would you please hit the like and subscribe buttons wherever you get your podcasts? And please share it with others. And if you're curious about the Catholic worldview and faith, the Church and its saints, or Catholic history, culture, and art, then visit consideringcatholicism.com. And email me to let me know what you think. Greg at consideringcatholicism.com.